death and life are in the power of the tongue. The tongue is powerful. We're talking like nuclear power. And a nu nuclear power can be used for good. It can be used for electricity, you, uh, relatively clean from what I understand, you know, unless you have sort of a Chernobyl thing, but you get my point, it, it can do good. Or it can bring, so it can bring life, power to millions of households. Or it can, in a bomb, nuclear energy, destroy millions of households. The tongue, likewise, is a powerful weapon. It can be used to praise God. It can be used to preach the gospel. It can be used to encourage others. Or it can be used to blaspheme God, to destroy uh, others, to spread lies. The tongue can lead us unto everlasting life. Like Peter says, you're the Christ, you're the son of the living God. The Bible says if, if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God hath raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. It can lead to everlasting life or it can lead us to everlasting damnation by denying the Son. What does Jesus say? Whoever denies me before men, him will I deny before the Father who is in heaven. St. Jerome said this. He said, the sword kills the body, but the tongue kills the soul. The tongue knows no moderation. Either it is a great good or it is a great evil. It is a great good when it acknowledges that Christ is God and a great evil when it denies that. Let no one deceive himself into thinking that he has never sinned. For if I have sinned, it is with my tongue. What more monstrous sin is there than blasphemy against God? The devil did not fall because he committed theft, murder, or adultery. He fell because of his tongue. He said, I will scale the heavens. Above the stars I will set up my throne. I will be like the Most High. Brothers and sisters, we'll pause. Welcome back. It's good to be back, isn't it? Finally, we're back. We're going to have fun today. Thank you for helping and coming set up and get everything straight. And we're dealing with no AC and we're trying to get everything working. We'll get it sorted out. Brothers and sisters, it is a weighty thing to speak. James says, in the King James, says not many of you should be masters. What he's getting at is not many of you should be teachers. Meaning that you, you take on the responsibility of teaching the faith because he says you'll be judged more strictly. You'll be held when you, when you presume to teach the faith to others. When you take a position of leadership... He says, you might not want to get into this. Not many of you should do this because you got to know you're going to be judged at the last day more strictly. So it's a weighty thing to speak, period. But it's especially weighty to speak about God, to direct souls, to influence. I am conscious of the fact, I am keenly aware of the fact that as a priest, in the church, at the last day, I'm going to be judged more harshly 
God is good. I'm going to have to stand before the Lord Jesus Christ. And did in my teaching, in my preaching, in my pastoral care, in my spiritual direction, in my living, did I lead people towards the Lord Jesus Christ? Did I teach the truth? Or did I tickle people's ears and tell them what they wanted to hear? But as James goes on, we see that there is a weightiness, there's an accountability for all speech. Our Lord says in Matthew chapter 12, I think some of the most sobering words in all of the gospel, at least they're scary for me, because this is a sermon today, another time out. If I'm not careful, I could get struck by lightning. I'd be in, in danger of being a hypocrite. So the tongue, you can ask Casey, not something I've mastered. But it's something that's important. But this is what our Lord says in Matthew chapter 12. It says, I tell you on the day of judgment, people will give account for every careless word they speak. Ouch, Jesus. That's gentle Jesus. You know, this whole like hippie Jesus on Xanax never hurts anybody's feelings. He's always quote unquote nice. No, Jesus brings the heat. And again, the tongue can be used for great good or great evil. But what we learned from Scripture, brothers and sisters, what we learned from experience is that the tongue is prone to the latter, is it not? To, do, to doing wickedness, to doing evil, to doing damage. It's, again, from Scripture, a restless evil full of deadly poison. It's set on fire by hell itself. And in our carnality, the tongue can bring hell on earth instead of the kingdom of God on earth as in heaven. The tongue is, again, a wild beast that no man can tame. So how then do we tame the tongue if no man can tame it? So more precisely, how do we cooperate with the grace of God at work in us? So that God can tame our tongues? How do we walk in the Spirit so that our speech is under the control of the Spirit and our speech is Spirit-filled? Real simple today. This is not an exhaustive theology or philosophy of the tongue. But today, I just want you to get this. How do we tame the tongue? How does the Lord t tame our tongue? by speaking less and when we do speak speaking life by speaking less and when we do speak speaking life first by speaking less back in uh, chapter 1 of James he writes of God's own will begat he us with the word of truth that we should be the kind of first fruits of his creatures Wherefore, my beloved brethren, let every man be swift to hear, slow to speak, slow to wrath. So living as new creations, James saying God's made us new by the power of the gospel. Living as new creations in Christ Jesus includes the right use of the tongue. And right use means restrained use. Why? Why does right use of the tongue 
mean just speaking less or restrained use of the tongue. Because we know from scripture and we know from experience that talking a lot leads to sin pretty easily. Proverbs 10, when words are many, transgression is not lacking, but whoever restrains his lips is prudent, that is wise. James says that a person who is able to restrain his tongue is perfect. Therefore, it would seem that the spiritual discipline of silence plays an important integral role in our journey towards Christ-likeness, in our pursuit of completion and perfection in Christ. So restraining, so that's twofold. It's restraining, it's being quick to listen and slow to speak throughout all of life, but it also includes practicing the spiritual discipline of silence. So this is pretty easy today. It's simple, but it's not easy. Because to some extent, James is saying, Scripture's saying, if you want to grow in Christ, stop talking. (laughs) Be quiet. Learn to be still and know that the Lord is God. So speaking less includes both reducing how much you talk in day-to-day life and cultivating the spiritual discipline of silence before Almighty God. And and this last part, this is something that you can practice in the liturgy. You'll you'll notice that there's times where one of the rubrics will just say, keep silence, be silent. Well, that's not meant to be just sort of an awkward silence. Like, please, God, somebody say something. This is weird. No, it's meant to be a full silence where we quiet our hearts in repentance, in surrender, and in adoration before Almighty God. Speak less, but when you do speak, speak life. The power of life and death is in the tongue. We are to use our tongues to bless God and others. When we speak, we are to speak of Christ. We are to speak to one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs. We are to speak in a way that if, even if we're not talking about quote-unquote spiritual things, we're, we are to speak whenever we're speaking in a way that's consonant with the gospel of Jesus Christ. And when we speak to others, we are to do so in a way that recognizes that this is a human being made in God's image. Now, this doesn't mean we avoid confrontation or that we only say, quote unquote, nice things. But it does mean that we recognize the dignity of the ones to whom we speak. That they're made in the similitude of the, in the King James language, the likeness of God. And that we speak to them with the goal of building them up and pushing them towards life. And sometimes speaking life 
Why are we speaking? Are we speaking to tear them down? Are we speaking to get revenge? Are we speaking to make ourselves feel better? Or are we, we trying to lead them down the narrow road that leads to life? Because sometimes speaking life will be telling someone that you love, your spouse, your children, your friend, your coworker, something that they don't necessarily want to hear, but they need to hear. And it takes great wisdom to know why you're saying what you're saying in the moment that you're saying it. The Bible says, deceitful are the kisses of an enemy. This is not just saying flatter everyone. Say things that aren't true. Deceitful are the kisses of an enemy, but faithful are the wounds of a friend. And those wounds are wounds unto life. You're trying to help. It's the goal, the goal is to build up. And speaking less, we're gonna land the plane, and speaking life are related. Because, for, because when, for example, we speak a word of encouragement to a brother or sister in Christ, a word which can give someone life, something that maybe all of us in this room are starving for, we're beat up, by everything that's going on in the world and is going on in our families, going on in our own lives. A word of encouragement to say, I love you, I care for you. You know, you're really good at this. Keep going, you're gonna make it. We're praying for you, God's got you. Man, that, that can change someone's entire life, this word of life, but if, if you speak less, then when you speak life, when you speak that word of encouragement, when you're not just someone who flatters, that is trying to, a swarmy person who's just trying to ingratiate yourself with others, that you say nice things so that later you can get some sort of social capital out of them. You know what I'm saying? That you compliment people just to ingratiate yourself. That's self-serving. When you really speak to speak life, but when you speak life out of the silence of God, if you will, it will carry more weight. Your words will carry more weight if you're economical with your words. Because scarcity creates value. It increases value. We, we live in a day and age where, where words have lost their power. And to some extent, they've lost their meaning because, we, not to be a curmudgeon, we live in a society that never shuts up. There's always something to say. And to say it immediately, I mean, how often, I mean, and we participate in this, some of us. I participate in this in, to some extent, that I participate in a society, and I join a society that is slow to listen quick to speak and quick to get angry. I mean, something happens, and then 30 seconds later, we broadcast our opinion on what's happened as gospel truth on the internet. But brothers and sisters, if our speech proceeds from a holy silence, there will be a greater wisdom and efficacy 
and timeliness to our words. Because for one, we've probably actually given some thought to what we are saying. So brothers and sisters, let us speak less. And when we speak, let us speak life. Let us be sanctified through silence. And let us in that silence listen for the still small voice of the Spirit whom alone can bridle our tongues.